بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم 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 بسم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم خلق السماوات والأرض بالحق يكور الليل على النهار ويكور النهار على الليل وسخر الشمس والقمر كل يجري لأجل مسمى ألا هو العزيز الغفار After discussing Allah's Tawheed, the oneness of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in a very subtle way the proof for his existence and the proof for his oneness that his creation and his creativity shows that he is the creator and he is the only creator. He says, he has created the heavens and the earth with reality. Haq means the real and with the reality with in which there is the truth. Truth is part of the overall reality with which Allah creates. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever he does is always based on something that is real not something that is false. So the creation of the heavens and the earth is real and we can see that it's real because it's tangible to us and if it's tangible to us then there must be someone who is now behind this tangible creation or these tangible objects and it runs with a system of reality. Part of that system is يُكَوِّرُ اللَّيْلِ عَلَى النَّهَارِ And وَيُكَوِّرُ النَّهَارِ عَلَى اللَّيْلِ So now he brings about the day, the night upon the day, and he brings about the day upon the night. Then he coils it. تَكْوِيرُ means to coil. As you see, the Earth's rotation, it coils and it kind of blends into, uh, as you see, the rotation in the day blends into the night and the night coils into the day. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing the haqq in the creation of the heavens and the Earth. This is how he manifests the real, meaning when something is real, it's going to follow an order going to follow a system and is going to be regulated in such a way that uh, the people for whom or the reason for the creation is met. What is the purpose of creating the heavens and the earth and what is the purpose of creating the day and night? It is so that it will facilitate a life for human beings. And how do human beings benefit from the day and night? We all know that. And how do human beings benefit from the heavens and the earth? We all know that. Okay. So meaning the objective of creation is to serve the human being. 
and the human being is the one who's going to observe this taqweer this changing of the night into the day and the day into the night through a system which the human being is now going to perceive so you must understand this theory that whenever Allah talks about the creation of the heavens and the earth you must include man in that equation because man is part of the creation of the heavens and the earth man is the reason for the creation of the heavens and the earth Allah doesn't create the heavens and the earth out of amusement and sport there's an objective behind that the objective is the human being now from the human being's point of view the human being is now observing this phenomenon of taqweer of the night and day coiling into each other enveloping into each other it envelopes it as if you're inserting something into an envelope so the day inserts itself into the night and the night inserts itself into the day and human being now knows this perceives this understands it and then the purpose of insans and the human's observation is to realize tawheed that there is oneness and there is someone who is behind all of this and that is the real and that is the meaning of the word bilhaq with the real not the truth as truth is part of the real mm. yeah. the translator says the truth here which is fine in a conclusive in a, as far as a conclusion but as far as the purpose of creation being man man must see the creation of the heavens as real and not amusement or sport Allah doesn't create things because he enjoys now creating for the sake of creating there's always going to be a divine purpose in whatever Allah and when man knows that purpose then man will see the real so Allah is the real Allah is the real one of his names is Al-Haq the real this is how you blend uh, the two man and the cosmos you must blend the two man as being part of the cosmos and the cosmos being for man the purpose of the cosmos is so that man benefits from the cosmos and man's purpose in the cosmos is to see Allah's Tawheed man's purpose is not just to see the cosmos man's purpose is to go beyond the heavens and the earth and look at the crater you understand? so just as the creation of the heavens and the earth is a bridge towards man likewise man's participation in the heavens and the earth is a bridge towards Tawheed like that that's how it works right so you must appreciate this Bilhaq understanding the word Haq there is what gives you the understanding of the Ayah otherwise you'll fall into uh, some pit holes here and there and you'll have issues with your understanding of the Ayah because then you will say Allah has now subjugated the shams and the qamar the sun and the moon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has subjugated what does it mean of subjugation subjugation is of 
many times. One is that when you subjugate something, you're able to benefit from it. So here what is implied is that the benefit of the sun and the moon is for man and Allah uh, subjugates the sun and the moon for man which is mentioned in another ayah وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ الشَّمْسُ وَالْقَبْرِ So in another ayah Allah says لَكُمْ He has subjugated it for you So from that ayah you get a tafsir of this ayah and you put the two together and you say this ayah means Allah has subjugated for you meaning Allah has allowed you to benefit from the sun and the moon like that hmm. otherwise uh, you might find a problem with that. how has Allah subjugated the sun and the moon? Allah controls the sun and the moon for what purpose? Lakum, for you yeah. that the reason why the sun and the moon follow an order that each one of them runs and follows an order for a time that is appointed. Yeah. A time, it will it'll run for a time that may be a million years, it may be ten million, who knows, whatever that time is. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow the system to work uh, in such a way that there will be a term. And when the term expires, the sun and the moon will no longer be. And that is how you see all of creation. That all of creation is uh, des destined to perish. Everything Allah creates is destined to perish. That is how Allah is the creator. <coughs> and this is how we see that the sun and moon also will meet its term and ex they will both expire. How is this? Allah, al Aziz. So now beware. What we are saying, Allah is the Supreme, He is the Almighty. That through His Izzah and His might and power, He is able to create and He is also able to none uncreate. He is able to destroy. So that is within His power, within His Izzah. This is how you must see the Haqq and the real, and this is how you must see. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's purpose of creation in man and man must understand the purpose of his creation is to serve Allah through Tawheed Al-Ghaffar and he is also the over, ever forgiving he's always forgiving human beings because human beings always make mistakes and they always misplace themselves and misplace the cosmos and they mis misplace the creator and because of that misplacement there seems to be an imbalance that is created in the heavens and the earth. Man's actions and behavior disturb the natural uh, balance in the cosmos and more so on earth than perhaps we see in the heavens. But there is a relationship between what happens here and what happens in the heavens. Human beings, they destroy the earth, as you know. For those who are secular and atheists, human beings disturb the earth destroy the earth through their pollutions and through their industries and through their corrupt uh, methods of controlling economies that they will uh, rather uh, destroy food in the ocean than to feed poor people. Uh, the ships and ships, shiploads of food stuff is now uh, drowned in the ocean because they fear the prices will go down.
that's human corruption. That's how human beings disturb the balance of Allah's now food supply. That is how we see this one. Allah forgives. So Allah forgives the transgressions of human beings and still maintains uh, providence for all human beings despite the shenanigans of human beings. So despite all of that, people are still fed. But the rule should be that because of that, no one should be fed. But he doesn't do that because he is al-ghaffar. He's the ever-forgiving. If we were to judge how the world should be based on human action, then the world should not exist, mathematically. Based on the amount of corruption and distortion that human beings bring to the world. Yeah, so the atheist can say what he wants. Uh, what he needs to realize is that there's another power that is keeping the earth from being destroyed. That power has to be Allah. There's no other power because uh, your, your, you know, your order, the mechanical universe, that the universe runs through a system of mechanical laws, Newtonian laws, and so on. But those laws okay, are disturbed by human intervention and human transgression, especially on Earth, where the issue of the climate is devastating. Um, species are being uh, mutated as we speak, and there's nothing that is uh, foreseeable in the future that human beings will correct themselves, amend themselves. So if human beings are not led to a higher order, and they're kept to themselves, then they will destroy and corrupt the world. It's only when human beings understand the Tawheed in Allah's creation, the oneness of Allah, and His ability to create, maintain, and restore the balance through His Ghufran, Ghufran, through His forgiveness. So Allah forgives all the time, but at the same time, He Al Aziz, meaning there will come a time when everything will perish. That's why He's mighty, almighty, and He is supreme. At the same time, until that time comes, he is a ghaffar, he is ever forgiving, that he will not allow anything to destroy the earth until the time has come. That is in his hands, that destruction is not in the hands of human beings. Although there will be unfortunate repercussions for human beings and the environment because of human action, but uh, the overall general rule is Allah will not destroy until the time has come. خَلَقَكُمْ مِن نَفْسٍ وَاحِدَةٍ ثُمَّ جَعَلَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا وَأَنزَلَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الْأَنْعَامِ ثَمَانِيَةَ أَزْوَاجٍ Allah subhanahu wa continues with the proof of his tawheed by saying he has created you from one soul, a single soul. So one creates so many that there is a common bond between every human being. That common bond is one human being. The first prototype human being is from which everyone else is created. This is our value and this is our understanding of human creation and that Allah is the one who creates human beings. Human beings did not come through uh, the so-called process of evolution or whatever that is and whatever that is, <laughs> who cares? 
uh, total nonsense. You know. You're trying to make sense of something that's stupid, then you must be more stupid than stupid. Hmm. Tawheed is a much easier way to understand creation. It's simple and it's ingenious. Okay? The more complicated you have, then the more difficult it becomes to prove your complicated theories. We say Allah is the creator, he has created you. But look at how he has created you. He has created you from one soul, min nafsin wahida, a soul that breathes, breathes, and a soul that is dynamic, and a soul in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired his own ruh and his own soul and gave it this dynamic life. So man is not just a simple creation like that of an animal, Man is a complex creation, and that man that Allah created was able to speak as soon his, as he started breathing. Yeah, as soon as he started breathing, he was able to speak, which is not found in any other species. Yeah. And that is how we determine the brilliance and the ingenious nature of our discussion through Tawheed that Allah's creation is this way. Every other species that Allah has created on earth is not given the ability to speak. Right? Nothing. Only man. So the one who claims that I created man must be true. <laughs> because there's no one else claiming that he created man. Right? Allah claims he created man. How? By making him the prototype species, uh, specimen, for all species to come. So every human being who came through Adam and after Adam follow everything that he did. That he breathes, and he has a physical body, and he has a mind, he has memory, he has a soul, and he worships Allah, and he thinks, and he speaks, and he expresses himself and he clothes himself and he eats and he does all of this work. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam and then from Adam his spouse Hawa and they lived in a place called Jannah. But they lived there. They didn't live on earth. So the first two human beings uh, when they were made uh, they were made to live in Jannah they were not made to live on earth. So there is no earthly, okay, what do you call it, uh, trace of Adam and Hawa's life. The traces were in Jannah. They ate the fruits of Jannah. They wore the clothes of Jannah. They didn't have the food of the dunya, this world, nor did they wear the clothing of this world. And they were speaking in that world and they were designed to stay in that world. They were not initially designed to stay in this world. That's the prototype. Right? So this has min nafsi wahid. Anyway, more of that. Thumma ja'ala minha zawjaha. And then from that one soul, Allah made his spouse. So Hawa came from Adam. And I've said several times before, human beings today, they marvel at their own creation by saying that we're able to create from a stem cell so much. 
the name will create so many things from a stem cell. So we have one stem cell, and from there you can get so many other types of the same species, or whatever you want to do with that. But they won't appreciate that Allah created Hawa from Adam's rib. And how many stem cells are there in the rib? <laughs> Trillions. You're marveling the idea that you can create from a stem cell. But Allah says, I created from a whole rib. You say, why is that? Pathetically stupid. That's what I'm saying. Stupidity runs the minds of people. That is Allah's curse on them. Allah made them stupid. Even from your analogy of science, you should be able to marvel at the idea that Allah created so many species from a rib. How many billions, trillions of stem cells are there in the rib? So anyway, so Allah created Hawa from Adam. That is established in the Quran. Right? That Allah created Hawa from a rib is established through Sunnah. That is Wahi. So we know of this through Wahi, not through our intellect. And that is the premise for a Muslim. A Muslim knows his facts from what Wahi says. A Muslim doesn't deduce his facts from rational argumentation. That is post-Wahi, not pre-Wahi. So the idea of submission is that you submit to knowledge that comes from Wahi. That is what makes you a Muslim. What doesn't make you a Muslim is your ability to rationalize whatever there is in Wahi. That's secondary. I mean, there's a need for that too. That's why we're here. The Dharakasim did all that. Right? But that's not the reason why you're Muslim. The reason why you're Muslim is that you submit your intellect to a much higher order, a much higher authority than your own. You don't have authority over things that happened before you. Nor do you have authority about what happened before creation. Likewise, you don't have authority about what happens after you die. Because there is no such human experience that gives you that. So human intellect is limited at best. So the knowledge we receive from Wahi is far greater than any knowledge that human beings collectively, all trillion of them, may deduce, conclude from their minds. That platform is so huge, so big, because that is Allah and the eternal and his knowledge, subhanAllah, is beyond us. So anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he made from that one soul its spouse, its mate. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam and created Hawa so that they would be mates in the proper way, that this one came from this one. That is how they were compatible and the compatibility then came into their offspring when they came down to earth, uh, literally. وَأَنزَلَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الْأَنْعَامِ ثَمَانِيَةَ And then we made, or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent from you of cattle eight types. So four and four. Yeah. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying that there are several types of cattle and several types of animals that we have. Uh, you can see there in the, uh, what do you call it, the camels, male and female. 
in the cows, male and female, and then in the goat and the sheep, male and female, and in the other uh, four-legged animals that we consume and eat, uh, there will be male and female. In that sense, there will be eight, eight pairs and so on, one pairing with the other. Allah subhanahu wa says that the, the, the ability of Allah to provide for you food in this world by giving you as access to cattle is also a sign of his tawheed, a sign of his creativity. So these are all now very subtle proofs of Allah's not just existence, but Allah's creativity in the sense that it is bilhaq, it is with the real. There is reality in Allah's creation and the reality is expressed in the way human beings use Allah's creation, in, in the utility of Allah's creation. And this is on this end. People who deny the existence of Allah still benefit from Allah's creation. And that's why Allah is Allah. You can deny that I exist, but I'll still give you food. Yes, that's and that meaning the purpose of me creating anything, everything in the heavens and earth, including animals, is that you benefit from it. I won't stop uh, you fulfilling that purpose because you deny my existence. As the hadith says, Shatamani uh, Abdi, my servant swears at me and denies that I exist or denies that I, have, I am more than one, I'm two or three. So the hadith mentions this. But Allah doesn't stop uh, the purpose of creation, which is the real. So it, the real is now this ability of man uh, to benefit from Allah's creation, independent of his creed, which is where the word ghaffar comes into play. Allah is always forgiving. Allah is forgiving humans. They can say what they want, deny my existence, and uh, say that I'm one, two, three, or four, or five, or many, and they can do whatever they want. But the purpose of me creating the heavens and the earth will not change because of man's inability to recognize me. That is what these ayahs say. So now, man's ability to benefit from these types of animals and cattle still is very much alive in the world even though most human beings uh, do not follow the commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This continues. So this system uh, is not overridden by man's uh, injustices and so on. Because it's a haqq. He creates with real, uh, a real purpose and with reality and so on. This is how you must see this ayat as addressing the frailty of human beings and addressing the, the, the uh, what do you call it, uh, inimitability, the ajaz of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is overwhelming, and nothing will override what he does. So the fact that he allows human beings to benefit from all of his creation, regardless of their faith and belief and their actions, is a proof that he exists, and he is kind, and he is merciful, and so on. In this world, that he has created you in the wombs of your mothers. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Adam and then Hawa over there, up there in Jannah. So then he placed Adam and Hawa on earth and the process of procreation on earth was that the woman conceives and then after conception there is this creation called man that comes out. That process is for this world. So the process of creation in the other world uh, where you don't need blood and everything else is that Allah creates either himself with his own hands or Allah creates by creating something from the first piece, from the first specimen, that is Adam. In this world, the nivam and the system changes because this world is confined in time and space. And in time and space, everything is regulated by time and space. So that is why they're created in the mother's wombs. في بطون أمهاتكم خلقا من بعد خلق one creation after another في ظلمات ثلاث in three types of darknesses so that will be the first uh, trimester the second trimester or the third trimester if you want to give this uh, ayah a very broad meaning that every part of the mother's womb is in a type of darkness and that darkness is represented by the three periods the three times of man's creation the three phases of man's creation in the womb of the mother and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now through his fadl uh, brings out man from the darknesses of the mother's womb into the light of this world uh, which is an amazing feature in fact one is the transition of Adam and Hawa into this world hmm. so that was from the nur of Jannah into this world that's one transition that we must also appreciate that transition was very painful for both Adam and Hawa <coughs> it was not easy to adjust to this world was very difficult it was a test in itself you have everything at your fingertips in Jannah and the next moment you don't have anything and you have to strive and struggle for everything every little piece of bread that you want you have to now sow the seeds you have to plant and you have to irrigate and you have to do all the agricultural business and then you have to wait for the grain to come and then you have to take the grain and mill and then grind the the grains and then you have to now do something with the dough make the dough then bake the dough then eat it a huge transition. Um, whereas the creation of man in the mother's womb is that in the mother's womb, the fetus is taken care of. Hmm. Has nothing to do. The fetus is in heaven, literally. Hmm. The mother takes care of the fetus. And then all of a sudden it comes into this world. And even in this world, when the fetus comes in, when the baby is born, then the mother and father and everybody else takes care of the baby for a while. I mean, the transition of Adam and Hawa into this world is much more severe than the transition of a baby who is born into this world from the womb, from the mother's womb. So th those two transitions you must juxtapose and compare together. And that the uh, strain that Adam and Hawa went through in order to adapt to this world is much greater than the strain of any baby that comes into this world. 
So Allah provides now mercy, compassion in the minds and hearts of parents and other people to make sure the baby is taken care of. And this is another proof of Allah's existence that both systems are there and both systems work and the utility is for human beings so that you have the benefit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now allowing you to uh, observe Allah's creation from the mother's womb into this world and then benefit by saying this is my child and this is my baby so that's another ni'mah another proof of his existence that who does all this who allows all this to happen how is all this regulated so the sun the moon the stars the planets are all regulated likewise the baby and the feet is also regulated who regulates that if it's left to chance then obviously you will say then anything could happen mathematically in the mother's womb but alhamdulillah mashallah I assume 95% of babies are born quite healthy I would assume that I, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever done a survey of that but if there is a scientific survey then I may be corrected I'm sure the majority of human beings who are born are born very well they're healthy and they're good to go right? now who regulates that system in the mother's womb, there's one creation after another creation after another creation. And that system of regulation uh, is now Allah's khalq, Allah's creation. Allah is the one who now uh, claims that this is his creation. No one else claims that it is their creation. That in itself shows uh, that this must be the real. The person who is real is the one who creates. That is your Lord, that is Allah, your Lord. All of this is referring to Allah. Allah does all of this, who is your Lord, who is your Rabb. He takes you from one phase to another. So in the process of what we call Rububiyyah, raising, how is Allah someone who raises you? So he raised you by first creating Adam and then creating Hawa. Then he raised you by allowing Adam and Hawa to learn everything there was to learn about Jannah and process everything there was to process about Jannah. And then he raised you by allowing them to live and survive on this earth. Then he raised you by allowing them to conceive. And he raised you by allowing you to be conceived. He raised you by allowing you to exist in this world after you were born. And he raised you by allowing you to become a young man, an adolescent, and then a mature man. And then he raises you by making sure you're an old man and then die. It is a rububiyah. Allah is raising you collectively as a species. As a species, this is how human beings are raised. That he is your rabb. Uh, he's the one that brings you from one phase to another, from one, uh, what do you call it, compartment of life uh, to another. And that is why, Lahul Mulk, to him alone belongs the kingdom and the sovereignty that he possesses all of these phases because he creates them and he has possession of everything he creates, including you. So he owns you, even though you may not concede that, you may not appreciate that. 
and you may not even believe or act upon it. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh, the one and only, he is mighty, overwhelming, and at the same time he is very forgiving and he is wise and so on. So these ayat speak to human beings that when you look at creation around you and you observe everything around you, then you will see that everything is in order. Everything follows a system. Everything is there and you benefit from that order. You benefit from that system. So if you say this system is this way or haphazard or it just happened accidentally, then how come nothing in your life is accidental? Are you accidental? Meaning the phases of your growth in the mother's womb, that was not accidental, that wasn't haphazard. The phases of your growth in this world, from infancy to childhood to uh, adolescence, all of that, that is not accidental. That is all regulated in perfect harmony with Allah's other creation, the real. So now all of a sudden, you are coming to terms uh, with this reality that Allah does exist, Allah does control, and He does that because He owns the whole mulk. Mulk means you have total sovereignty and dominion and power and authority over someone. Allah is the one who claims that because no one else can. No human being can claim they have this amount of sovereignty or authority over any human being for the lifespan that we have just said. So Allah subhanahu wa says that with this la ilaha illahu la ilaha illahu that there is no God except He. Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who is worthy of worship. He is the only deity and He is the only one who could create all of this in such great uh, system and with such great rhythm. Uh, so you see this, uh, that Allah's creation is a proof that he is a creator. And when you know that, then you must acknowledge his tawheed, which is what I mentioned at the beginning of today's discussion. All of this is to show and express Allah's tawheed, la ilaha illahu, there's no ilah, there's no God, there's no deity, no one worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu is the one whom you must turn to for all your affairs because he is the one who owns you and he is the one to whom you are returning. Then where are you now going to turn? Why you turned away from him? You should be turning towards him, not away from him. Once you turn towards him, then you will see the other components of your ray being raised. Your own rububiyah and your own tarbiyah is now a sign that you are being raised by someone higher than you, and someone who has authority over you. When man only looks at the ability to utilize Allah's ni'mah, Allah's creation, and Allah's blessings, then he is now being restricted to what is the matter, what we call the matter, material objects. And he doesn't get beyond uh, the materialism in his life, of his life. But when he looks further intellectually and sees 
that Allah is the one who is raising me in every moment and every phase of my life, then you go into another mode, intellectual, then eventually spiritual. And you see that you are not in control of anything that happens to you, and you're definitely not in control of what happens to other people and the world around you. Everything is being governed with an order, uh, and that order will take you back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is how Allah is uh, now addressing the creation of Allah with the purpose of saying that human beings benefit from his creation. And then the purpose of human beings benefiting from his creation is to make a jump to the creator. Human beings usually confine themselves to creation and they do all their work uh, to understand, to control, to manipulate creation. And by that they are able to, they assume that they benefit from uh, this type of knowledge and this type of manipulation and so on. Some forms of manipulation are good and some forms of manipulation are not so good. But uh, man must move beyond the creation and then throw himself into the crater. That is la ilaha illa hu. There's no one there to worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is Allah's blessing on man that uh, Allah allows man the time and uh, the discretion to choose this way or that way. Even that is an ni'mah. Allah is giving man a choice. It's an ni'mah. He may choose this way or this way. But as with everything, just as uh, the night is going to be dark and the day is going to be bright, you cannot bring brightness into the night unless artificial. That's not light. Meaning you can't bring the brightness of the sun at the time when there is night. Nor can you bring the darkness of the night when the sun is out in the day. You can't change those two paradigms and parameters. You can't change them. Likewise, if you choose darkness, intellectual darkness, you can't bring brightness into that darkness unless you come into the brightness of wahi and knowledge from Allah. You can't switch. But Allah is able to. Allah is able to now insert darkness into light and then light into darkness. Allah gives hidayah and tawfiq for every human being. But if he, meaning the human being, chooses through his volition and his discretion to be in the dark, then Allah will keep him there. And if he chooses to come into the brightness of this knowledge, then Allah will keep him there. That is another system that he has recognized and that is how he creates guidance and misguidance. Okay? But the misguidance is through the volition of the human being. It is not superimposed by Allah. So Allah doesn't force you to choose this way or that way. There's no compulsion in accepting deen, accepting religion. So that is how we see these ayat. Allah has given man the ability to read these ayat and draw a bridge from Allah's creation to him, the creator. Once we do that, 
then we're benefiting from the ayat. The reason for revelation is not simply intellectual discussion. The reason for revelation is that you benefit from revelation in the form of guidance and then further guidance. That is the point. If you don't benefit from reading, then you're not there yet. You're still in the darkness, even though you're reading. So it could be that people know, but they don't benefit and they remain in the darkness. And that is the plight of the non-Muslim. The non-Muslim reads the Quran and perhaps even claims to understand it and perhaps even claim to teach Islam at Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Berkeley. But they don't benefit. They're in the darkness. That is not the, the reason for revelation. Okay? That is revelation, no doubt, but it's not the reason. It's like saying somebody has a car and he doesn't drive it. <laughs> yeah, okay, you have a car, right? you don't drive it. So now what's the point? It's just a showpiece. You want to keep it in your garage, you just clean it every Sunday, polish it. The reason why Allah has given you a car, your mind, your intellect, is because Allah wants you to drive it. And the driving is your tawfiq to please Allah. That is the bottom line. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to benefit from these ayat. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to do what pleases Him the most. Ameen ya Rabbil Alameen. Sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr khulq. Muhammadi wa alihi wa sahabi ajma'in. Bi rahmatihi wa rahmatihi. We will have salat in 10 minutes, inshallah.